Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Mr. Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. And that's who he is. All right. And uh, we're going to talk about a wish today. <laughs> a death wish. <laughs> you had to roll your fucking eyes and throw, made me giggle. You made me giggle. Yeah, well, I can't help it if your fucking <laughs> intros are lame. <laughs> I have a wish that someday... All right, so yeah, we're gonna talk about uh, that fine remake, and uh, should we should we talk about uh, trailers on this one? I don't know. You know what? Fuck it. Let's get it out of the way. Jesus, right? just make a fucking decision. Make and a stick pimp. With it. Ma- ma- all you gotta say is make a pimp decision. <coughs> all right, so yeah, we'll talk about. I got some Terminator sequel news, Christopher Robin trailer, and the Lost in Space uh, show on coming to Netflix. On coming to Netflix? That's good enough, right? All right. All that and more, take it away. Johnny. I think you're going to say Christopher or Arnold or or uh, 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 Charlie Bronson or, or something. But no, you just fucking lame with it. Didn't even try. No effort at all. But it got took away. All right. So, hey, Mike. What, <laughs> Joe? <laughs> what did you think <laughs> of Death Wish? No. I didn't. Uh, yeah. No, um... Yeah, this is uh, one of those. Look, I want to. I still want to see Annihilation, and now it's almost gone from theaters. So go fuck yourself, Mike. Um, so we won't be seeing Annihilation. So uh, yeah, we won't be seeing Annihilation uh, together. I don't think because yeah, like I said, it's almost gone. But uh, but yeah, Death Wishes was I, I don't know. It it just. We had already planned on seeing it from, what was it, late last year when the trailers came out and everyone was up in arms about this bullshit and that bullshit and eye-rolling shit, right? So, anyway, uh, what do I have to say about Death Wish? Start by giving a fucking summary so we can play the trailer. <laughs> God. God damn it. <laughs> you know what? You're just going to have to, like... Create one of those. I'm I'm gonna punch a, you. A I'm, I'm gonna fucking stab you because we've like, been doing it for almost you know those four months now <laughs> that we've been doing it this you way. You know those flashing neon lights that say "Eat It, Joe's." Instead, it'll just be a big red fucking arrow that flashes and it's pointing right at the monitor where you have. I shouldn't the have synopsis, to do this. <laughs> the description for. every fucking not every time. I sh- but I shouldn't have to do this. I, I I think I think I think besides my own stupidity and, and no, or, it's not stupidity. It, it, it's or my own obliviousness is that yeah. I think it's one of the problems is we don't do any show prep. <laughs> As we shouldn't have to do show prep. It's a fuck movie review podcast. We gotta we gotta do prep. We gotta prepare because apparently I'm not prepared. No, you're not, and I'm not reading this shit properly. So yes, preparation, preparation, preparation. No. <laughs> Repetition, repetition, repetition. We've been doing this for we've been doing like three months. Three months now we've been doing it this way. Yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it eventually. No, you won't. <laughs> you still you still have four reviews you have to do. Four. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Big man. Fucking read it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Anyways. Dr. Paul Kersey is a surgeon who often sees the consequences of his, of the city's violence in the emergency room. When home intruders brutally attack his wife and young daughter, Kersey becomes obsessed with delivering vigilante justice to the perpetrators. As the anonymous slayings grab the media's attention, the public begins to wonder if the deadly Avenger is a guardian angel or the Grim Reaper himself. I give you Death Wish. 
and ACDC. Who killed my wife? Who else was there? I don't know anything else. I believe you, Joe. So you're not gonna kill me? No. Jack is. You got caught in some crossfire? The ice cream man done it. The ice cream man? Can't walk to school if they don't work for him. Who are you? Your last customer. We are cocked, locked, and ready to rock. I'll say. They called him a guardian angel. He saved my life. You look much better getting out socializing. Mm. Not so much. Well, whatever you're doing, keep it up. <laughs> okay, I will. Did that assault rifle have a bump stock on it? I don't think so. It was automatic. Didn't he buy that from a gun store? A bump stock would be something that automatically fires. Yeah, because that yeah he was firing automatic rounds, not semi-automatic. I want to play the original Death Wish trailer. Okay. This is Paul Kersey. This is the story of a man who decided to clean up the most violent town in the world. I said, turn around. Give me the money. He begins where all the super cops leave off. Bugging has gone down by how much, sir? Nine fifty a week to four seventy. You reported last week. You understand? Not too many people know that. And uh, you want to keep it that way, huh? Oh no, we have to keep it that way. This whole city would explode. <laughs> and if this person is listening to my voice, I urge him, in the name of law and order, to desist from this one-man crusade and turn himself into the police. Let's see the money, man. Call him a mad vigilante. Call him a hero. Either way, he's always on target. We want you to get out of New York permanently. Never make a death wish. Because a death wish always comes true. And you get to love it. <laughs> what an awful voiceover. This awful copyright. Is, is this the man who damaged an unmarked unit with a banana? Is this the man who damaged an unmarked unit with a banana? Who wrecked the buffet <laughs> at the Beverly Hills Hilton? The social club or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> at the Beverly Hills Hotel? At the nose up in the air? At the, at the rich people's don't give a fuck about anybody place? With a banana? With a banana? <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I think that now I know why you don't like wallpaper. Because when they first entered the the apartment of the wife and murdered her, it's fucking ugly. That was the worst looking wallpaper I think I've ever seen. All wallpaper is just awful. Yeah. The reason why I played the original Death Wish trailer opposite, and I know it's four minutes of time that I just wasted for you guys, but the reason why I I, I placed the Death Death Wish original versus Death Wish nineteen or I'm sorry twenty eighteen. I'm twenty years behind apparently. Is because I, w- I wanted to talk about both of these movies. Well, you have to, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, I was impressed with the original Death Wish. When I'm, I'm sorry, I was impressed with this Death Wish, but then I got I started thinking about it, and man, oh, ooh, it went up a percent. Holy shit! Yeah, I don't give a shit about Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it's a winner now. Um, it's getting a six point eight out of ten out of, on IMDb. And Roger Ebert didn't care for it too. 1.5 out of 4 stars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just I, this movie's a middle ground movie for me. It's not bad, but it's not it's not anything special at all. Well, and and there's problems. There's definite problems with it. And the reason why I I originally liked it and then my my score started dropping is because I went and read the synopsis for the original Death Trailer movie mm-hmm. and the book. And I'm sorry, but I have to agree with what Nerda says. The new Death Wish gets everything about Death Wish wrong. It's about right. Okay. Um, I, I I have seen the original Death Wish, but it has been so long that I don't remember it. Well, here. Um, since I can... So, uh, Brian Garfield wrote the novel in 1972. It's about Paul Benjamin who's a CPA in New York and a lifelong liberal. Why don't they change his fucking name? Why is it Kersey? I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll, we'll get into that. Um, however, his staid life is overturned when his daughter, Carol, and spouse, Esther, uh, are attacked by muggers. His wife doesn't survive and is traumatized, uh, and his traumatized daughter is left in a vegetative state. Uh, forced to reevaluate his views, Benjamin becomes a, r- a right-wing extremist and eager for vengeance. While on a business trip in Arizona, he buys a revolver, brings it back to New York. Um, Benjamin shoots a mugger who accosts him. Benjamin continues to take justice into his own hands, drawing would-be muggers in the traps, blah, 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 blah. It's only within the last 50 pages of the first novel that Benjamin kills his the, the first guy. The second novel, Death Sentence, states that Benjamin murdered 17 people over five weeks. So the book in and of itself... Um, Goes the taxi driver route? Yeah, it doesn't really go into the whole... It's more psychological than everything else, what he's dealing with, Mm -hmm. and then he goes and buys a gun, and then he shoots somebody, right? After dealing with everything that's going on. Now, the movie, for some reason, starred Charles Bronson as Paul Kersey. Now, I don't know why they changed his last name. An architect who becomes a vigilante after his wife is murdered and his daughter is sexually assaulted. Now, I mean, it's it's close enough to the book that um, Paul Kersey is an architect instead of a CPA, and that's fine. I don't, you know, it it doesn't really matter what his job is, right? Yeah. He's just an, a regular guy, an average Joe. <laughs> you, you said it. Yeah, and his you said it. So his wife Joanna and and his daughter Carol uh, are followed home by three thugs who invade the apartment, posing as delivery men. They fatally injure Joanna and rape Carol. After his wife's funeral. In Connecticut, 
Paul has an encounter with a mugger in a darkened street. He fights back with a homemade weapon, causing the mugger to run away. And that was when we were watching the trailer. Uh, Bronson was swinging around a sock full of quarters, mm-hmm. right? And then he fucking tagged somebody in the face with it. Now, <laughs> that, if, if anybody that knows anything about nunchucks or any type of <laughs> slung weapon like that, yeah. like 20 pounds per... Nunchucks, when you swing a nunchuck, is like 20 pounds per square inch. So if you hit somebody in the face with nunchucks, you're going to break their jaw or any fucking piece of their skull, yeah. depending on where you hit them. <laughs> it's not like in the movies where it goes, you know, and, and the fucking gets hit on top of the head and the guy's like, oh, and he stumbles back. He's yeah. like, you hit me in the head. Yeah. Right? It's like a battering uh, ram instead? Yeah. It, it's like fucking, it, it, it's like, it, it, it's like hitting something at 20 miles an hour. Yeah. With your skull. You know, running to, running into a fucking tree. It's fucking brutal, man. <laughs> well, I mean, they're made, they're made as they're a weapon for a reason. Huh? Yeah. So in in the in the original movie, Paul's boss sends him to Tucson, Arizona, to see this guy named Ames Jan uh, Janchill, a client with a residential development project. Okay. <clears throat> and it's also to keep him keep his mind off what's going on. Yeah. You know, to keep him moving forward because if you just sit around in your apartment all day, you're going to get depressed. So um, Ames has a gun club, and he invites Paul to his gun club where um, they shoot guns, and and Ames is impressed with Paul's accuracy. Um, Paul reveals that he was a conscientious objector during the Korean War when he served as a combat medic. He had been taught to handle firearms uh, by his father, but after he was killed in a, after his father was killed in a hunting accident, Paul swore never to use the guns again. And that's character building. Yeah, right then and there. First and foremost, his wife gets killed, and then his boss goes, hey, why don't you get your mind off this, get away, go to Arizona, which is, in the book, he goes to Arizona. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's mimicking the book. And then it's building this character, this, this Paul guy, that he's a conscientious objector. Yeah. He's, he's, not, he's not a fan of guns, you know, and he's not, he's not in your face, you know, all gay about it. <laughs> And 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 telling everybody, hey, you know, you're a bad guy for owning a gun. So Ames drives Paul back to the Tucson airport, presents Paul with a gift for his work on the development, which he places into Paul's checked luggage. When Paul gets home, he realizes it's a gun. It's it's one of the guns from Paul's from Ames' private collection. Um, Paul learns from his son-in-law Jack that his daughter is severely depressed when he returns because of the assault and is now catatonic. Uh, I think it was in the movie. It was um, a self-prescribed coma, so she doesn't have to deal with it. You know, self-induced coma. Yeah. She asked the doctors to put her into a coma. Um, Paul and his son-in-law have his daughter committed to a mental hospital. Paul learns that Ames has given him a revolver. He loads it, takes a late-night walk during which he is mugged at gunpoint. Paul shoots the mugger, and in a state of shock, he runs home to vomit. Um, the next night, Paul walks through the city looking for violent criminals, and over the next few weeks, Paul kills several people some of whom he provokes into attacking him, others whom he seems threatening others. And that's when the police get involved. And then it comes down to he finds out who the bad guys are, right? The ones that assaulted his wife. Does he? Yeah. In the movie, he does. Um, let's see. Uh, this is the same as the regular movie where... Uh, the department, the detectives have narrowed down a list of, of men who have had family members recently killed by muggers. Um, uh, Ochoa suspects Paul is about to make an arrest when the DA intervenes and tells Ochoa, the, the detective, to let him loose in another city instead because 
the point has been made. Yeah. Crime is down now, and they don't. If they arrest the guy, then it makes big news. Did you look at the, the entire cast? Yeah. Look, well, who, look who's freak number one. I saw his picture too when I did. Um, oh yeah, I already knew that. Yeah. Um, the, but the DA and the police commissioner do want the don't want the uh, fact to get out that street crime in New York has dropped dramatically since there's a vigilante and fear that if he's not stopped, the whole city will descend into chaos. Um, the detective doesn't like it, but he relents, tells the guy to get out. Um, but before he can do that, um, he he kills two more guys, and um, from there. So why is it okay for Bronson to be a vigilante and no one else? What do you mean? Well, because, you know, like, <laughs> do you know why? No. I don't know where you're getting at. Because he's not wearing hockey pads. Whatever. I, that's I, I a Dark Knight joke. Okay. Because oh. vigilante, you know, like, remember the, the copycat vigilantes? I, I got it. I got it. Why is it okay? Why, can't, why can you do it? And I'm not wearing hockey pads. Yeah. Go fuck you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. What? Have a better setup next time. <laughs> or just go with the whole joke. So, anyways. Um, this movie, this the, this Death Wish, was huge. It was, it was um, made uh, $22 million in 74, which is fucking good. Um, what... Um, Take your time. Trying to. <laughs> what makes it a good movie, even though, you know, if you watch it now, 30 years later, 40 years later. Wow, 40 years. Um, it's been imitated. So many times. Well, no, this is the fact that it's forty years old. Yeah. Um. So you're seeing all these, you know, the the old locales from Times Square with the with the triple X theaters and and the and the hookers and 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 the pimps and and the drug dealers and all this other stuff before they Disneyfied it, right? Yeah. And then what they did also was they. They set it in a time where all this stuff could happen, you know, whereas now it, you have all these cameras and all this other shit where people, I mean, you know, it's it's yeah. it's a connected world. We're all online, Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, yeah, Facebook. And in, in, in 74, you could get away with this. You could literally just fucking stab a guy to death and walk away. Yeah, in Central Park especially. Yeah, and you could stab a guy in a fucking movie theater with a thousand people there. And just walk away, yeah. and nobody would even know. Well, yeah, and also because they didn't have DNA evidence at the time. Yeah, they did. The '74, absolutely. <coughs> but that, but they didn't have cameras. They didn't have cameras everywhere. So <coughs> when when you have a movie like this, that it, and it's not just the movie in and of itself. When you have, and it's not, it's not fucking. Gone with the Wind or anything else like that. But when you have a movie that actually delves into the psyche of a character and deals with this crushing fucking... Trauma. Yes, thank you. Um, you know, he, he lost his wife. His, his daughter's in a coma. Which, you know? you know, pretty much he lost his daughter, too. Yeah. yeah. Sort of. You know, I mean, she comes out of it, but she's not the same. Yeah. And you have... You, you, you have... You, you have him dealing with that, and then he goes to the extreme and just decides to take out his vengeance on any bad guy that looks or reminds him of that those traumatic events. Yeah. You know, he, he goes from being an anti-gun guy to a pro-gun guy, you know, 
And it, 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 even in the movie, they they never really went into that whole anti. They there was no speeches. You know, I'm not anti-gun or whatever. He, but he was very specific about I stopped liking shooting. Yeah. After my father was killed. Yeah, he became like a, like a pacifist. <laughs> yeah, he's a, well, he was a conscientious objector in the Korean War. Yeah. So, but after after those traumatic events, he's no longer that conscientious conscientious objector. Yeah. And that's the problem with this new movie. This new movie, you have Bruce Willis play <coughs> Paul Kersey again, but he's a doctor this time. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, there are some scenes where he's he's traumatized by the fact that his father-in-law is a gun owner, but it, it doesn't convey anything. Like, all of a sudden, he just wants to buy a gun. I want to buy a gun, you know? And then he starts looking at YouTube videos and this and that. And it's missing the huge point. And the whole point of this whole thing is you have a guy, the main actor, whoever, it doesn't matter who, if it's Charles Bronson, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or fucking, you know, Dikembe Mutombo, okay? <laughs> you have a guy that is a, that is not in my house. fucking liberal, and I'm, I'm not throwing these words out just to be political. I'm throwing these words out to be specific about these characters yeah. and the way that the book was written and the original movie. Very liberal, very anti-gun. Mm-hmm. Okay, but not preachy about it. Yeah, they're not all up in your face about it. They they just keep to their own. They don't complain about anything, you know, and they just want to live their life and do their job. Yeah, and then when that job gets interrupted by these traumatic events, you know, his boss tells him to go to Arizona, and then and in the new one, he just wants to buy a gun. Yeah, and watch his YouTube videos. It doesn't build fucking character. It doesn't tell us anything about why he's anti-gun. It doesn't tell us anything about what's going on with him dealing with this. It's Bruce Willis playing Bruce Willis in a Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> you know what? And you're right because it, it, what they could have done since they didn't have him go to another you know city or anything like that. Um, why didn't they have it so where his brother's trying to help him more? You know, and there's something there between them. You know, instead of his brother just coming by every once in a while and. Oh, I was just trying to pay you. Oh, but you're going to be an asshole, so I'm out. You know. Kind yeah, of. and even that wasn't explained. What did he have to borrow two thousand bucks for? You know, and that was part of the. And that's one of the positives about the movie was, I, I all the scene things that I thought were going to be predictable, all the the predictable setups for what was going to happen by the conclusion. Yeah, and they didn't happen. Um, was like I I I thought that they were doing the whole, oh, I need to borrow money thing. To, to set up the fact that, oh, watch, his daughter's going to end up getting, you know, his daughter gets injured and his wife gets killed because of, of, of D'Onofrio owing money or something, right? Or D'Onofrio being the leader of the gang. Yeah. Or, you know. Because he stole, because $2,000 was stolen out of the safe. Yeah, or something, you know? right? Yeah. And so that's why I thought that they did that, just to show his character. And then you have that, you know, the, it's already sowing the, you know. Planting the seeds, right, right, and and that again, I agree with you. I, I thought that was well done, in terms of, um, oh yeah, because I you know just like with the main villain, uh, I think his name was Knox. Um, you know, at the end of the movie, I thought he was gonna you know kidnap the daughter, you know, right, and then hold her at gunpoint, and then they're you know fuck the same shit over and over again, you know, I, and then they didn't do that, and I, that's what I that's what I could appreciate about the movie was it didn't fall into predictability, but. But yeah, I think you're right. It's there's there's no real depth to uh, to Bruce Willis's character's uh, his trauma, really. You know, he, yeah, he's sad about his daughter, but you know, and his wife. But uh, I, you know, here's a thing that I did notice that I'm I'm not sure 
if if it's a big deal or not. But okay, you notice how when you're watching certain movies, and just so that it, it'll put it in your mind that this is where they are. Like, say, if you're watching a movie that's set in Miami, and they'll show that fucking Miami billboard, and they'll show the airplane fly over it, right? They show that in half the movies that are in Miami. Right. Or, or other things like that. Well, I noticed at least two things in this movie, okay? One is the part where they're all sitting there eating f- together, and they're eating deep dish pizza, uh-huh. right? So, oh, they're in Chicago because they're eating deep dish pizza, right? And then the other thing was them talking about him talking about Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Right. You know, and... I I, I, I I don't know. I didn't. I couldn't tell if they were doing that, if that was important to the story, or if it was just they were doing that to say, oh, yeah, this is where we really filmed it or something, you know? I, I think it was that. I think it was the latter, which is, oh, we filmed it in Chicago, so we have to show Chicago deep dish pizza. Yeah. And we have to talk about Michael Jordan to prove that we're in Chicago. Yeah, and that, that kind of bugged me. I mean, even though there was the you know some some exterior shots where they had, like the the beginning of the movie when it does the camera back above the you know behind the city and then it pans into the cop car right flying down the road that was pretty good. I, I did like the camera work with that, but because um, I mean Chicago is really cool how they have all the L you know the elevated trains that are um, going all over everything. It looked really cool at night. It reminded me of uh, some of the cinematography from uh, The Dark Knight because they filmed that one in chicago so um but yeah i just i'm wondering what else did i miss in the movie that was also another thing to show oh yeah we're in chicago (laughs) you know i I, what else could they have mentioned i don't know Uh, i'm a bears fan you hear someone in the background just bears yeah (laughs) don't bears don't bears just chicago bears he's having another heart attack there's no one here like dicka (laughs) watch him go (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, yeah, that that kind of. I'm gonna bu- have another sausage. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just like if I if you're watching I don't know a mafia movie or something, and then the, the dude's eating fucking spaghetti or something. Right. Like, like okay, we get it. Dude. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so yeah. I, that, I mean, like if you do it right, it's good. But you know, um, like in the Sopranos or whatever. Yeah. But if you if you do it awful, yeah. Well, it, look, the first scene where they're in the in the restaurant eating. I was okay with that. Yeah. But then they then they returned back to that restaurant and it's still deep dish pizza instead of something else. Yeah. And I get it. I understand the concept behind him returning to that restaurant because that was where him and his family went after probably after the um uh the soccer games and yeah. yada yada yada. But who who cares? It's it's not important to the story. No. What's important to the story is the fact that you have Paul Kersey dealing with these traumatic events and having this burden on his shoulder and all of a sudden, you know, he instead of building the character, he just wants to buy a gun. Like it's fucking die hard or red or whatever. Yeah. You know? I, mean, I think I think I can understand why Joe Carnahan left the uh the picture. You know what's weird is he gets the sole writing credit. Right. But nine people rewrote the the script after he did. Um and none of the and they from what I understand, none of his dialogue made it into the film. But yeah, he's the only, still the only one that gets a writing credit. Mm, no, because I, and I don't know if that's true or not. But it, and you may be right. Um, I'm basing this off of IMDb and Wikipedia, of course. Carnahan left the project in 2013 due to creative differences. He received sole writing credit for the completed film. He was replaced as director with Gerardo Narano, yeah, uh, who was interested in casting Benicio del Toro. Um, where did I read this? Uh, this version also never came to fruition. 
I understand that there, and I read this somewhere, and I can't remember where I read this, that when Carnahan left and Gerardo Naranjo was brought on board, and it may have been someone else was brought on board as well, um, the studio said no to the rewrites of the script. Oh. And then they left. And then, that, and then the directors left. Um, maybe it was these two right here. Quit the project after MGM declined to allow them to rewrite Joe Carnahan's original script. So Joe Carnahan's original script survived for three years. Yeah. And then... Which had been approved by Willis, it says. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, is that something in Willis's contracts, I'm assuming? Probably. In June, Eli Roth signed on to direct with a script being rewritten <laughs> by Scott Alexander. Oh, I get to be a doctor. And on uh, August 25th... I want to be a doctor. That's when Vincent D'Onofrio was cast alongside Willis... And Dean Norris was joined the film. I've been a psychologist. I've been a cop. So I want to be a doctor. Yeah, that sounds like Willis. <laughs> I, 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 I know. I can't do Bruce Willis accent, man. Um, my guess is that with with Willis approving Carnahan's script and Eli Roth rewriting the script, he didn't rewrite a lot of it, mm-hmm. and he probably rewrote some of the parts where Willis didn't want to like go to Arizona or whatever. You know, go out of state. You want to keep it all in New York. But again, it just, if it, you know what it felt like? It felt like fucking Die Hard. Die Hard 3, where he's in New York. Yeah. Right? Chasing fucking people. Yeah. Die Hard Death Wish Vengeance. The Death Wish. Die Hard, Die Hard 6 Death Wish. Yeah. You know, and look, Eli Roth is good enough of a director that he can, he can make a movie watchable. You know, he knows how to put a movie together. But, He's still very limited in and when when you get to the whole execution of everything. And I, I guess you can only put so much on Roth because I mean he didn't write the script. So but I man, I I don't know. I Yeah, I don't know. Why did they <laughs> hire Eli Roth in the first place? I don't know. Maybe he wanted a bigger, you know, production movie on, under his belt cuz the last one he did was The Green Inferno. Yeah, and, and my guess is that, you know, the the joke in the Kevin Smith movies was, you know, do do the big films so you can pay for the smaller films, yeah. right? And Eli Roth. So this is, is his cop out. This is Eli Roth's cop out. Kind of. And Bruce Willis. <laughs> Come on. No, um, because it's not as bad as Cop Out. You know what I mean. Yeah. Well. No. Big budget movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, he did Cabin Fever. He did Hostel. Thanksgiving. Hostel Part Two. Part yeah. Two. Endangered Species. Green Inferno. Um. This doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I you're look. bringing it. You're gonna say I, I fucking. You just love talking about this fucking guy. I know you're gonna say what. Just go ahead. What am I gonna say? You just about Harry Knowles. Yeah. <laughs> but what am I gonna say? I, I just you mentioning because it's it brings up Harry Knowles. What am I going to say? I, you that, said you know what I'm going to say. What am I going to I, say? I mean, I mean, I know who what part you're gonna read because it's got Harry Knowles in it. That's that's what I meant. Yeah. Why is this? Why Roth brought. A shot-for-shot remake by kids of Raiders of the Lost Ark to the attention of Harry Knowles and Steven Spielberg. That's a why, that's a wide spectrum. Why why <laughs> Harry Knowles? Pardon the fat joke, but that's a wide fucking spectrum. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you've got. Did he cover? What I want to know yeah. is, did he have to literally put a bag over his head before he had to look into Harry Knowles' beady fucking oh. eyes and smell that rancid fucking breath and deal with whatever stink came off of him? The fucking the, the fucking bacony pizza rolls 
and shit smell. I'm sorry, but when you get to a certain point, it stink, man. It doesn't. It's not stink anymore. It's stank. Harry Knowles has stank. No, no, stank is funk, <laughs> and there is no funk in Harry Knowles whatsoever. <laughs> He's a fucking creep. Um, and, I, and the only reason why would be to show it at Knowles button numathon. And again, I, I'm not going to get into any more about Harry Knowles other than he's fucking garbage. Um, Harry Knuckles. That's his name for now. He's working on a house with a clock in its walls. Um, right now, that's it. He he worked on... Cock and balls. He, he fucking... He produced Baywatch. What is wrong? What is so wrong in Hollywood that a fucking director like Eli Roth... Look... Let's just go through his fucking oh, list. He did Knock Knock with Keanu. He was an actor in The Horse Whisper. <laughs> and that's supposed to be a good film. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I believe it's directed by um, Mr. Robert Redford. So Cabin Fever. He was also in Citizen Toxie, The Toxic Avenger 4, which means that he knows James Gunn. Cabin Fever. He was a director, producer, screenwriter, and actor in that. Uh, Tales of the Crap. Uh, I'm just trying to find director. Hostel. Hostel Part 2. Grindhouse Thanksgiving. Nation's Pride, which he did for Tarantino, The Green Inferno, Knock Knock. There was a Cabin Fever remake. Um, I, yeah, I think there's yeah a new one, a new. Uh, Jesus Christ! Only 14 years after, and they fucking did a Cabin Fever remake. Yeah. God damn! What is wrong? And then he directed uh, Death Wish, and he's directing The House with the Clock in Its Wall, um, which I assume has to be another. Yeah, it's American fantasy horror film. Got Zachary de Black. Um, Ooh. it's based on a novel. Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Kyle MacLachlan, Owen Vaccaro, Colleen Camp. Yeah, that might be a little too fucking talented for uh, Eli Roth, man. No. I you got mean, Jack Black and Kate Blanchett. They both can fucking act. Yeah, well, Colleen Camp can act too, surprisingly. Like, if you watch... Colleen? Uh, uh, she wasn't in fucking Paul, Mart, Blart, Paul Blart. She was in the other one. Observe and Report. She was in Observe oh, and Report. Oh, is that the mom? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah she's good. Yeah, she's... She's good. She can play she, all different kinds of roles. Yeah, she was fucking hot when she was younger. <laughs> police, she was hot in Police Academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, that was a long time ago. <laughs> That's a very long time ago. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> she Terry Guard. Yeah, <laughs> she's only sixty four. She Terry Guard herself. But yeah, I mean, she, Jesus, she's Battle for the Planet of the Apes. That's that was the last porno flick. Um, What's the last porno flick you saw? Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she did American, yeah, American Dad, Dad. Business man no. Yeah exactly God damn it Waffle Hut I whack you my stacky On my own time So um, But she's been in a Just Just a fucking Ton of fucking movies Anyways um, Yeah she was in Die Hard with a Vengeance She played oh, Connie But Kowalski. she was in Speed 2 Cruise Control So now She was also Her, in all, her whole career is fucking done now The I, last action hero I can't acknowledge her anymore Really? Nope Her Willem Dafoe Jason Patrick, fucking Sandra Bullock, none of them. Really? They were in Speed 2 Cruise Control, dude. Yeah, okay. You know what? I No, I, oh, joking aside, I, I, I don't think I ever finished that movie. I rented it when it came out on videotape back in, I think, 97. I've, I've never li- finished it. I've literally only seen ever, like, one part of that. Mm-hmm. It is when the boat crashes into the dock. Oh, at the end? That's it. Yeah. I, I, I don't even remember Willem Dafoe. I heard that from everyone that talks about that movie, they said the only good thing you could get out of Speed 2 Cruise Control was Willem Dafoe's villain. That was it. Other than that, it was shit. Right. Yeah, I'm thinking this is more of a comedy. This is going to be comedy, fantasy. You know how bad a movie's got to be 
for Keanu to say, uh-uh. He said, I'd rather tour with Dogstar. Uh-uh. You know what's funny is, <sighs> funny is, back when, when he didn't, when, when Keanu Reeves turned down doing Speed 2 Cruise Control, and I looked at things differently, I was pissed off. Like, oh, well, you know, what the fuck, dude? You can tour with your band anytime. This is the fucking sequel to Speed. The awesome, amazing Speed. So what the fuck are you doing, Keanu? You're, you're turning down this big payday. You're going to be in the sequel. And now Jack is gone. You don't get to be Jack again. Fuck, what are you doing? But now, because I look at things differently, it's like, you know what? Good for him. Good for him that he fucking, you know, even if Speed 2 would have been a good movie, still, he he knew what he wanted to do, and he fucking did it. So props to him, because he turned down a shitload of money to come back for that sequel. And instead, he wanted to tour with his band. Good for him. Just funny how perspectives change over time sometimes. Sure. On a side note, all right. So, uh, before we get too far away into tangents, what would you give this movie? Three and a half. I'm 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 debating on between a four and a five, but because to me it's not a bad movie. It's just nothing special at the same time. So, um, like like you said, I said it's a totally unnecessary film remake, right? Um, but I guess if you like, I haven't delved into all of the things that it changed from the original. I don't know any of that shit. So that's based off of that as well. I'm just basing this movie on itself and I don't really see anything that too special about it. You know, it, I like the Afrio, but the Afrio is always, you know, he's always can, you know, handle his own shit. So yeah, meh, you know, I like Dean Norris, you know, he played one of the cops. Dean Norris is always good in everything he's in, but, uh, uh what do you, no, yeah, this, this might as well have been straight to video, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel bad for Eli Roth, and he, he should have gotten, it, it should have given him a better fucking uh, chance to film a big budget movie, but it seems like, it seems like now, anytime Bruce Willis is in a movie like this, cop out, yeah. death wish, you know, unless unless someone has a fucking firm grasp on what's going on, and writes the story and just says, this is the story, and I don't give a shit what you think of it. If you want to fucking be in the movie, be in the movie. Uh-huh. Then, you know, it seems that every time Bruce Willis is in a movie like this, whether, like I said, something happens. Red 2, Death Wish, Cop Out, The Last Die Hard in Russia. Yeah. You know? It's it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to blame Bruce Willis. For, you know, it might not be him. Maybe the studio's. It's just coincidental. But it seems too coincidental after four movies. By the way, the new Cabin Fever movie that came out in 2016, which it's not new, (laughs) is a group of college students on a weekend getaway in a remote cabin are exposed to a flesh-eating bacteria, killing them one by one. The plot is basically a beat-for-beat copy of the original with very, very minor changes. The, you know, they changed Deputy Winston cabin from a male fever? to a female. The original Cabin Fever is considered a horror classic now because of how, how long ago it came out. And 16 years ago. Yeah, but it's still, it's it, it's it stands on its own ground as an original. Like, say, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, you know, Friday 13th, blah, blah, blah. Well, I guess when Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out, it was considered a classic about 10 years in. Yeah. Okay. You know what's funny is I just bought that. On Blu-ray, and we finally, I, me and the kids watched it um, last week, and there are creepy parts into it, but there's like, they've seen so much shit, you know, that's been made after that, that, have, you know, pretty much blatantly copied it, 
that there was nothing special about that movie to them. Like, even to myself, it was, some of the movie was just like, okay, you know, some of it was, especially when you see in a 4K restoration, <laughs> some of the makeup wasn't that good. But anyway. Uh, it's still fucking chilling. There are moments that are creepy, um, like when they give the ride to the to you know the, to the hitchhiker guy and uh, he cuts the fucking you know the the, dude the entire him. fucking sequence in the house with the bones on the floor. Yeah, I've seen so much shit, dude. I'm desensitized, man. That that still doesn't bother you. I haven't seen why I, I hadn't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre in like 20 years, the original. So when I watched it again, it was like I've already I've already seen so much shit. It yeah, but that's so what. Certain movies huh? have it. Some some don't. I I don't I don't know. Bones bones on the ground don't fucking scare me. It has nothing to do with scaring you. It's a psychological thing. Yeah, like you're supposed. What to, yeah. is in there? Yeah. What how what type of bones are there? Yeah. I mean, you saw the birds, but what else? Yeah, and why? That's the fucking creep factor. Yeah, yeah. And who's no, not. Yeah, and you, why you, are they setting these bones to up like this and stuff? Yeah, I, I I don't see. I don't think you watch movies to ingest movies. To, to get them. I think you just watch them. You're like a guy that, you're like Stephen King, you know, uh, and that's a good thing. Stephen King, when, or a writer, okay? A writer that reads and just consumes books mm-hmm. to read them, yeah. but doesn't, okay, so you're not like Stephen King. <laughs> but it people. depends on the movie, dude. Seriously. It people depend. that read and just read to read yeah. don't consume. And what I mean by that is they just read it to read, to pass time or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not reading into it. They're not. Yeah. They're, they're they're not reading behind it or whatever else. Yeah. And then you have the other ones that when when they watch a movie or 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 read a book. Yeah. They literally fucking digest each page. Yeah. Which is I'm kind of in the middle. I digest the book. Yeah. I don't look for a deeper meaning into it. But I digest the book because I I could give a fuck less about deeper meaning. And I was I was I was watching something on on TV. Yeah. <laughs> on Netflix, in fact, it's called um, Monsters and Myths. Okay. It was a documentary, and it, what bugged me <coughs> is that it wasn't linear. It wasn't set up linearly, and so they would talk about like fucking Camelot, and then they would go into and yeah. like like. A, th- a third of the way into the story when it's starting to get interesting. Yeah. And, and the one that really sets it off for me is yeah. they talk about Vlad the Impaler and where the whole Dracula myth came from. So they get into this whole Vlad the Impaler thing, right? And But it's offset by all these other things. And then they'll go right into fucking, like, H.P. Lovecraft. So they're right? po- it's poorly structured. Oh, it's absolutely just awful. Yeah. You know? And then and then it'll go into something else, yeah. and then it'll go right back into the Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. And they're, I guess they're trying to weave this fucking line, this thin thread, yeah. you know, paper thin, and try to tell this story of uh, that's similar to all these other stories instead of just, this is Vlad the Impaler, Dracula, and then moving into something else that's similar to Dracula yeah. and fleshing out all of that stuff where... You know, Dracula inspired this, inspired this, inspired this, and or you know, even going back farther than Dracula, yeah. the vampire mythos and stuff like that. And that's the problem with this this heroes and myths thing that I watched. And I was going to use that as as my pick of the week, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Okay, so when it comes to me feeling a, 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 what what a movie is trying to convey, like say you know the psychological part, like you were explaining in in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The thing is, for me, it's case by case because if it's if I'm feeling the movie, 
I fucking and I watch it multiple times and I absorb it more and more every time. So like say when I'm watching a movie like Heat or Pulp Fiction or other things like that or even Kingpin with uh with Woody Harrelson or something. Um uh, when I'm watching it with my kids, I'll fucking start I'll pause every once in a while I might pause a scene just to explain the meaning behind it and what the character's feeling and why they're doing it this way. Which makes you an awful person to watch movies with. I don't do it all the time. Just sometimes. Sometimes. Um, and it's because I'm feel I, I really totally understand the movie. And so when, when, when a character's going through something, I know what they're going through and I get it. I feel it. So there are movies that do that. Just that for that with Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't do it for me. It just doesn't. Now, there's still creepy moments, don't get me wrong. There's some parts of that movie that are done really fucking well, especially for how low the budget was and everything and the time period it came out, especially with censors and all that shit. But um, still, I, I sometimes some things get ruined because of it. Like, just like, uh, uh, give me an example. James Bond. All the new James Bonds, I'm more impressed by them than the fucking old classics. Because I've seen all this, because the new stuff has all the glitz and the glamour and the fucking, you know, they've they've built off of what's already been done. So you go back to the original. Which tells me that you're not into watching a movie and getting it. You're just into watching a movie. Wait, wait. Some some movies, it it depends on the nostalgia thing and if you grew up with it. So if I grew up watching all the original Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, fucking James Bonds, then yeah. Then I I, would have got it. I don't think so. I would I would have gotten them more, but I didn't watch those. Like the first fucking James Bond I think I ever watched was like I watched parts of The Living Daylights when it was on TV or something, or I watched um, parts of License to Kill when it was in the theaters back in what was it eighty eight or eighty nine? Okay, okay. I I didn't watch it. I didn't really. Get Joe, into you're defending yourself for for one reason, and you don't need to. the The gist of the whole thing that I'm trying to make the the point I'm trying to make is you don't watch movies to get the movies. You watch movies to consume the movies. That's why you have a library of a thousand movies. You're not into, and that's fine. That doesn't make you a bad movie watcher or a fucking intellectual or or non-intellectual when it comes to movies. You know what I'm saying? I. What I'm saying is that you you buy movies, you watch movies, and I can I can cite specifics. <laughs> you buy movies to consume the movie. You can give a fuck less whether it has a meaning or not. You're, it's it's not that big of a deal to you. And then there are people like some of the critics on Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic that watch movies to try to get a deeper meaning out of it. You know what I'm saying? And I find those people boring. You, you, it's okay to buy movies. Like I'll buy my, my, my mother and my sister-in-law. They buy these pulp, these pulp novels, these fucking mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, these... Um, on the shores of her libido. Yeah, these stuff like that. These <laughs> these awful books. These the passion of my love. Yeah, you know. So they'll buy those books and then they they read them to read them. Yeah, they're not reading them to get any deeper meaning any out of insight. it. Like literally, we had to throw away four bags full of books. Now, if That's you put a heavy. fucking paperback into a bag, you know how many stacks of these fucking. Things you can make in one bag, mm-hmm. three in a paper bag. Yeah. Three stacks, um, you know, like what, 12 inches, foot, foot and a half? Mm-hmm. That's that's like 30 books. Yeah, if, if you average it, what, 300 pages a book or whatever? Yeah, something like that. 
and that and and that's that's what these are about. Movies are about consuming. They're about watching. And you don't need to get a deeper meaning into it. You know, I yeah, I I, 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 I for I when I watch a movie, I'm not looking for deeper meaning. I just for me, I you, you know yeah. I, I think like I said, I think for me, it's it's just, it depends on the movie. So like like when I'm watching Heat, I I fucking feel those characters. I get those characters. Yeah, but then there are things that like you're watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and yeah. you're like. What the fuck else is under those bones? <laughs> you know, and, and that's the one. Like, there'll be scenes in movies that just bug the shit out of me because it, it has nothing to do with having to explain it or whatever else. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with my mental faculties going, okay, this movie's good, but what about this one scene? You know, why? You know, and it'll be, and it won't have anything to do with characters. It'll have to do with like placement. Oh. Like they have they have dishes on the table, but this one dish was purposely put out of place, and there's something that they they stepped on something or blah 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 blah. You know, like the bones in fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't always come up. But when we talk about it, or I see a trailer for it, or whatever else, yeah, it'll come up, you know, and be like, what the fuck, you know, yeah, it, <laughs> like. Like in Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Whatever happened to the Golden Fertility Idol? What did Belloc do with the Golden Fertility Idol? Did he sell it in Marrakesh? Yeah. Did Indy get it back? What if he had to get that to give to the Nazis to prove that he could do shit? It's possible. Like that was like his audition. But they wouldn't know about the Golden Fertility Idol, so it doesn't matter. Well, then, I mean, whatever. You, you, you fucking tell them, they, like, you know, they just say, go get, do something. I don't know. I don't fucking know. He's obsessed with the occult, right? Hitler's obsessed with the golden. With but did you know about the Golden Fertility Idol until that movie came about? Or until I just said it? I don't recall. Right. The Golden Fertility Idol is just an idol. has nothing to do with the occult. Yeah. Yeah, it's just from the... No, uh, the Spear of Languinus. Yes. Or is it Sanguinus? The, the spear that that pierced the side of Christ. Yeah, yeah, the the yeah the spear of destiny. Yeah, yeah, that that in and of itself, yes. No, they they would have Belloc go after something like that instead. No, Belloc just happened to be in the same area, and my guess is that it was a race against time, and that the reason why he was down in Peru is so that Belloc couldn't get the golden arti- golden fertility idol. Yeah. And that's and Forrestal had tried and Forrestal probably sent him a letter saying Belloc is trying to get this as well. And you know, even though he's a competitor type of thing. Yeah. That's where all that came from. Anyways, I I, I, I don't have any hope for Death Wish. It's this the going well, right look, back to it. Rather, look, I, we would rather both go into tangents about other shit. Yeah. And talk about Death Wish. I, so you know what? I, as we're talking about it, I think my rating for it's getting lower and lower. Yeah. Well, the, okay. So 2016 Cabin Fever, since we never get to finish that, <laughs> has a 0% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 27 reviews, an average rating of 2.5 out of 10 on Metacritic. Uh, the film holds a rating of 14 out of 100 based on seven critics. Now, uh, and this is what I wanted to read. It's little surprise that Roth himself is the executive producer of this nearly beat-for-beat beat redo. Who else would feel as much passion for the middling material? And who better to ensure that the copy does nothing to improve on the original? The silver lining of a day-and-date limited theatrical and VOD release is that there's no chance this repurposed dud duplicates the original's commercial performance. And it only made $39,000. Awful, and there's there's no no names in it. <laughs> Ugh. That's like, I mean, can you get more blatant than that? No. 
I mean, at least when they redid Spider-Man, <laughs> there was a reason for it. Right. When they when they when they did Casino Royale and got rid of Pierce Brosnan, there was a reason for it. You know, but what do you mean? The reason Spider-Man. Well, well Spider-Man redoing Spider-Man. There was a reason why they did it because um, they wanted to do the re- You know, they wanted uh, when they would have they plan on doing four and five, filming them back to back. Sam Raimi wanted creative control, and then they wouldn't give it to him. And so he left, and then all the other actors left too. So they're like, "Well, fuck, we gotta might as well just start all over instead of re re you know." But you didn't have to start all over. That's the problem I have with 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 that whole thing is not what you're saying, yeah, but well, with look, the studio. And they didn't do it as good as they should have done when they <laughs> did it. So, and then they rebooted they, it again, anyways. Yeah, and then, well, yeah, and finally, yeah, I know they gave it, and then they, and now Marvel Studios is hopefully doing it right, and so far they are. Yeah. So, but. I, I got why they did what they did. I'm not saying I fully agree with it, but I get it. With with this shit, you can tell it's just blatant fucking money and nothing else. You know? Oh, hey, we got the name Cabin Fever. Let's just make another Cabin Fever. Well, I, I think that Eli Roth owns the rights to Cabin Fever, but who yeah, knows? Yeah, milking it for all it's worth, I guess. By the way, uh, Eli Roth's new movie, The House with a Clock in Its Walls, yeah. is written by Eric Kripke. Oh, God. Eric Kripke. I know that name. I know the name. <sighs> Supernatural. There you go. He's the creator of the Supernatural series and the NBC series Revolution and the NBC series Timeless. Just so weird. Just so weird. Just like the Jim Cummings thing with the fucking Winnie the Pooh thing and the Kripke thing. The main character of my flick of the week, her last name is Kripke. Right. It's fucking weird. I. It's not a normal name. You don't fucking hear it all the time. What is it with this shit? It's probably more normal than you think. Who's fucking with me? Someone's fucking with me, Mike. I don't know, Joe. Someone is. I don't care. No shit. All right. So can we leave the death wish? Because, yeah. See it at your own risk. <laughs> hey, at least we got one gory Eli Roth, Eli Roth scene in it, though. With Jack. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So I'll continue on since you're you're reading. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know what? I'm, I know what you're gonna do, though. I know what you're gonna fucking do. Just do it. I'm gonna start talking about something else, and then you're gonna you're gonna come across something interesting. Just and you're gonna just, and it's gonna go back to death. Instead of fucking wish. yammering, talk about what you want to talk about. I am. Mean, I'm yammering. That's what I want to talk about. No, My you, you just went off on a fucking talk. tangent. Just talk about what you want to talk. Just talk about what you want to talk about. All right. Don't do the interrupting cow thing. Just shut up and talk. <laughs> All right, so on to movie news, Mike. So uh, according to an interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger recently, uh, they are going to be uh, filming um, loosely titled Terminator Part 6, or the sixth Terminator film, um, which is going to not acknowledge anything after Judgment Day. So um, it's uh, being directed by Tim Miller, uh, okay. who directed Deadpool. All right. All right. Um, James Cameron is overseeing the whole thing, I guess, like executive producing. And um, Linda Hamilton is returning. And, of course, Arnold is as well. And okay. that's pretty much all. It's uh, slated for a July 2019 release. Look, I, I'm I, cool, you know, great, but, you know... <laughs> Genesis kind of tainted that shit. I, look, I don't care what anybody says. I, I really like Salvation, and I thought that they should have kept going in that direction. But, yeah, Genesis fucked it up. So um, I want it to be good, but yeah, reservations, right? So uh, the second one is the Christopher Robin teaser trailer that came out, which is starring Ewan McGregor, and Haley Atwell, and the, the voice of Jim Cummings doing uh, Winnie the Pooh. Right. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Winnie the Pooh, but I'll tell you what, when... 
when it showed a classic looking, you know, like like the first iter- you know um, illustrations of how Winnie Pooh used to look, you know, that looked really cool. I liked how they did that. They, you know, it's the classics, the classic um, style of him. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. August third. Do you want to see that? I'm thinking about it. Depends on what comes out on August third. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of a, a newer version of uh, what was that one movie, Finding Neverland with Johnny Depp. Right about is it Lewis Carroll that made uh, Peter Pan? I can't remember. Or Barry is Barry John Barry Barry? Fuck! It was a Barry. There's a Barry in there. So anyway, <laughs> if only we Alice in Wonderland. No, no, no. Peter Pan. Who wrote Finding uh, Wonderland is about Alice in Wonderland. Finding Neverland. Finding Neverland. Finding Neverland. Let's try that. It was, it was John Barry or something like that. Yeah, J M Barry. Yeah, there we go. I was close enough. So, yeah, Finding Neverland was wasn't bad. I don't remember anything about it, but I rented it when it was new. Of course, two thousand four wasn't that great of a movie for or great of a year for movies. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So anyway, the Christopher Robin teaser looks like it's gonna be uh, look like it looks like it's gonna have heart to it, and there's a lot of voice um, uh, cool voices that are doing it. Uh, and then lastly, the only thing else I got is uh, I saw the last the Lost in, well we both did saw the Lost in Space trailer for Netflix. Right, and uh, that one. I mean, you know what? It looks like it looks almost like it's done in the style of uh, the new Star Trek movies. You know, just the the futuristic look of it. Yeah, it looks like they're able to jump from planet to planet. Yeah, but who knows? Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, it looks like the production bucket, but bucket, the, the bucket, the production bucket, the bud get. <laughs> the production budget looks pretty freaking high. You know, which Netflix is spending a shitload of money on all these projects they're doing. So, they, you know, I, I'm glad that the the um, the show... But they got to have... Uh, what's the name of the little creature that was in the movie from 98? Was it Blarp? I don't know. Okay. I bet you that the Blarp... If they have Blarp in the show, it's going to look a lot better than the Blarp in that movie because the Blarp in that movie was... Well, why would they put the... Why would they do that? Well, Blarp, Blarp was a character from the show. I, I don't remember if he how many times he showed up or anything, but... I don't, I don't know. Anyway, just the CG on him was really shitty, you know, in, in 1998 when the movie came out. And I, but I do think that that movie's a little underrated. And I, th- I thought that the, the Lost in Space movie was better than people gave it credit you, for. You thought that the movie was underrated? Yes, I do. I, I, Matt LeBlanc was fucking great in it. Okay. Um, William Hurt was, you know, bland. He's, that's the weird thing about William Hurt. He's always a good actor, but a lot of times he plays bland characters. Um, I didn't care for Heather Graham's character, but. Um, I did like the kids. The kids were good. Um, uh, Nancy Chabert, you know, she did the Meg for one season on um, Family Guy. Shut up, Meg. Lacey Chabert, or whatever the fuck her name is. Um, she plays Penny, and she was good in that. And then, uh, oh, fucking Gary Oldman, dude. He played Dr. Doctor Smith. He was fucking amazing in that. It's like he wasn't everything. Tell me you didn't like his Dr. Smith. No. Gary Oldman's Doctor Smith was good. No, it wasn't. And there were some cool scenes in that movie, like with the spiders, that, the the fucking cannibalistic spiders that were eating through the hole and coming after him. That shit was cool, but the visuals are outdated. That's the problem with it. Well, one of the problems with it. Yeah, you're just like everybody else, man. You don't see through. You're just like, oh yeah, it sucks because everyone else says it sucks. No, that movie sucked. <laughs> I just want- the movie sucked balls. You didn't like it at all, huh? No, it was awful. All right. You didn't like the spider version of uh, Dr. Smith? No. It's fucking cool. All right, whatever. No, it wasn't. It was garbage. Uh-huh. <sighs> it was so bad 
that... How bad was it? The only thing that... I mean, look at the fucking poster, dude. What's wrong with that? Really? You don't think that looks cool? No. That's awful. That's... <laughs> what? Is there supposed to be a picture of them, like, doing the mime thing? Like, where are we? How did we get lost in space? <laughs> you have a fucking planet. This poster is so awful. You have a planet... In a in a galaxy which is giving off these little um, well the highlight things or whatever you want to call it the uh, lens the, flare yeah thank you lens flare and then you have the LS for lost in space mm-hmm. and then you have lost in space written over it yeah instead of having something like oh I don't know the shadowy outline of Robbie the robot okay, or so something besides, like Robbie the robot with a big fucking red eye so besides mediocre fucking tam- uh, or uh, marketing mediocre marketing what's your problem with the movie it's garbage wow that, that you Mr. anti blanket statement can you give me more than it's garbage dude I haven't seen this fucking movie in, in 20 years it, you're gonna say 20 years aren't you yeah <laughs> I haven't seen this movie since it's it came garbage. out that's why. I haven't seen this movie since it came out. The, the effects are terrible. Matt LeBlanc is not good in this movie. You I don't care like what you say. You no, like he's a fucking terrible actor. He's always been a terrible actor. <sighs> he's always been a bad actor. He's funny in Friends because he's terrible in Friends. <laughs> Gary Oldman was okay. We're going to come back to that one because I'm going to watch epi- all the episodes of Episodes showed up on uh, Netflix. Of what? Episodes. It's called episodes. It's a. It's a. So you're gonna you're gonna watch ep- You're gonna watch Matt LeBlanc's episodes. Have you watched that? No. I tried to watch one episode of that. Yeah. Well, if it sucks, I'll, I'll, I won't. It's fucking awful. I couldn't watch Girls. Girls was fucking boring, so I didn't watch that. So William Hurt is bland. Matt LeBlanc sucked. Gary Oldman is Gary Oldman. I don't know, and and I like Heather Graham, but she's not great in this movie. Mimi Rogers is boring. Lacey Chab- Chabert. Um, it's been a while since she was. She plays Jack Penny, Johnson. the daughter. Yeah, I know who she plays, and Jared Jared Harris. Yeah, he played the grown up Will Robinson. Yeah, and then, and then you have you, you you have the entire premise of the movie is 130 minutes of them fucking around trying to get back home, yeah. and and you have Doctor Smith who is sabotaging all their all their all their efforts to try to get back home, which is fine because that was supposed to be the original plot of the TV series. Uh Well, it's not the original plot. This is the plot of the TV series until it turns into the, the, the Dr. Smith show. Right. Yeah. And you have, I'm going to, I'm going to sum it up. Roger Ebert gave the film a rating of one and a half out of four. Calling it a dim-witted shoot 'em up, Wade Major from the Box Office ma- Magazine rated the film one and a half out of five, calling it the dumbest and least imaginative ad- adaptation of a television series yet translated to the screen. Except that was until, you know, <laughs> that was twenty years ago. Um, there's been dumber. <laughs> hey, look, a remake. Yeah. The film was given a Golden Raspberry Award nomination for worst remake or sequel, but lost against the Tide. Of the Avengers, you know, the one with Sean Connery, uh, Godzilla, and Psycho. The Avengers was based off the TV show. Do you don't remember that movie with uh, Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman? Yeah, that's what I, I was going to say Sean Connery. I don't it had know. some cool visual effects in it, but that movie fucking sucked. Yeah, that movie was awful, too. Uh, yeah, Godzilla. And Psycho was the one with Vince Vaughn. That was awful. Mother! Yeah, so here it is. 
meandering storyline and lifeless protagonist saying that Lost in Space features a few action sequences that generate adrenaline jolts, but this is not an age of this is not an edge of the seat motion picture. And all of those right there, oh, clumsily directed and missing most of the TV series can't be charm. Lost in Space sadly lives down to its title. And that's exactly how I feel about it. All right. Well, I, look, I, I don't think it's a great movie, I, but I liked it. Yeah, that's fine. You can like it. I'm not... yeah. I, I thought that I, I think that it got hated more than it should have gotten hated. I, I, you know, I just don't care for the movie. Yeah, it's got like to, for me, it's got rede- redemptive qualities. You know, I, I, but I guess it's not good enough for most people. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, yeah, Lacey Chabelle. Yeah, she was the first voice of Meg. She did Meg. And then she quit the show because she didn't have any faith in the show. Yeah. And uh, hold on, mm. it may be in the Wikipedia. Oh, bravo for Mila! And uh, yeah. like they they made fun. They literally made fun of it when they did a um, another one of those uh, Stewie and Brian episodes. Yeah, like you know uh, the road to Rome or the road to whatever to Judea. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, so uh, Stewie and Brian go back in time, but they go back in time to the beginning of the series. Where, you know, like during the interstitials where Peter says, you know, that's like the time that I bought a helicopter. Yeah. And and then they would just all stand around and, and then Stewie and Brian are watching like, what the hell is going on? And like, oh, this must be one of Peter's flashbacks, right? Yeah. Well, one of them brought up the whole, uh, what's wrong with Meg's voice, right? Yeah. And, and the other person, and, and, and I don't know if it's Stewie or Brian, but one of them said, you know, oh, that was done by another actress who decided to leave the show because she didn't really feel that it was going to be a hit. Oh, well. <laughs> it did a long-running series or some shit like that. Yeah. So, um, Didn't have any lasting qualities. Yeah. It wasn't. Or, or it was possible that she also, um, she couldn't do it because she had other commitments. Let's see. Lacey Charbet. Lacey. Yeah, she's a Mean Girls um yeah, party five. But I'm pretty sure that she left because. Where's that clock? Oh, I don't know. Dude, that's mm. fucking weird that we can hear that clock uh, on this shit because I don't normally hear the clock at all. Well, we don't have other things going on too. So, <laughs> um, damn, that's some good fucking money, dude. That is some good ass money to take home just sitting in front of a microphone for I don't know. Probably they're they're there for probably less than a day, right? For doing one episode of Family Guy. Uh, that's why she left the show because she was in school and doing Party of Five. So, and Seth MacFarlane said that it was a purely a contractual thing. I think there was a mistake in her contract, and I guess she did not. In, she had not intended to be involved for like the full run of the show. I don't even remember to be honest. I don't really, to this day, know what it was. It was nothing. There was no tension or anything. She just wanted to go, and she was cool about it. We obviously don't want to keep anyone there who doesn't want to be there. So you know. It was early on enough in the show that it wasn't a huge, and that happens from time to time. You've got to replace a voice actor. Fortunately, what Mia brought to it, Mia Kunis, was in a lot of ways, I thought, almost right, more right for the job than Lacey. But Lacey also came back and did a couple of other voices. Yeah. So. Yeah, it shows there's no hard feelings or anything. Yeah. Shut up, Meg. Cree Summer was f- on how she got fired as the voice of Meg Griffin. I have to listen to this. It's only three minutes. I got replaced though, then I am bitter about it. I was in the original. Those speakers are done. Why are they coming to? Are they just coming to work in my house? Yeah, what's going to happen? So I just got, I got fired. I mean, I, I have to say, 
in their defense. I don't she think sounds it was like she could play Lois. Yeah. But when it's, I do, it's, 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 you know how sometimes you get your job, you get a job, but it's not your job. Yeah. You just know it's not she your played, job. She um, played. So you're just hanging in, you know, know. You're hanging in there. I hope no one notices no, it's is, not my job. I know. So. But here's a great example. People ask me, you know, are you she, ever she, get replaced? You replaced me. I replaced you. On Happy Hunger I played Dick Denzel. She played. Um, she did the voice of the gummy bear in uh, Robot Chicken. And so I got to work one day, and they said. The part originally played by Ralph Hawson will now be played by Creason. She played what? I just told you. She played the gummy bear in fucking Robot Chicken. I never. I don't know if I saw that episode. I haven't seen every episode of She Robot played Fo- Foxy something or other yeah. in, um, oh, God, it was a stupid Comedy Central thing. She also did voices on. Uh, um, oh, okay. Oh, she played uh, Freddie Brooks on, uh, here we go. Uh, she was the original voice of Penny in the 83 cartoon Inspector Gadget. She did Elmira in Tiny Toons and Pinky, uh, Elmira in The Brain. She did Susie Carmichael in Rugrats and All Grown Up, Princess Kida in the franchise oh, of I know Atlantis. Who she is. Yeah, she's, um, I think she's like half half uh, white, half black. Valerie Gray in Danny yeah. Phantom, um, Maxine Max Gibson in Batman Beyond, Foxy Love in Drawn Together, Number 5 in Codename Kids Next Door, Magma in X-Men Legends, Cleo the Poodle in Clifford the Big Red Dog, Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy, Witch Hagar in Voltron, and Beast Girl in Teen Titans Go. She's also done, she was in, um, she was in A Different World from 88 to 93, and she played Freddie Brooks. Yep, yeah, that's, yeah. And then she was in Living Single, The French Prince of Bel-Air. She did four episodes of The Courthouse. Yep, she's exactly who I thought it was, yep. <laughs> yeah, she was on. I forgot she was on a different world, though. Hmm, I didn't know that there was a Baldur's Gate. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, cool. All right, so uh, all right. Uh, oh, uh, are we doing our POS on this one? Oh yeah. Because <laughs> the next film we're gonna see. <clears throat> what, is, what is the next? Uh, we're gonna see Gringo. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Should I read the synopsis or save the synopsis for the next time? Can we actually do the review for it? Uh, I don't know. Fuck but it, dude. I don't even think we should play the trailer, dude. Why? Let's just do our P. Well, I mean, even though it is based, the, our predictions are based off the trailer. I, I yeah. I mean, because we play the trailer. I mean, do we need, need to play it twice? I, you know who gives a shit? Fuck it. Let me do my thing. Do do you, baby? Do you? Medical marijuana is already a multi-billion-dollar industry. The future is this weed pill. I'm still not sure about this. Look, most people will tell you Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon, but even a complete idiot will tell you Neil Armstrong did it first. He didn't say idiot. And do you know the red why he went first? He was the mission hatch open on his. Because he pushed Buzz Aldrin the fuck out of the way and seized history by the ballsack. I'm satisfied. <laughs> Look, man, you're in some deep water, Harold. Like bankruptcy, dude. I'm cash poor? No, I'm saying you're poor poor. Harold! Tomorrow, you're gonna fly to Mexico. What? We want you to hand deliver the weed pill formula to the lab. Buenos dias. I know I'm not supposed to touch the minibar, but I'm going to do it. You know, I don't even care anymore. I'm doing it. I'm having the mono. What's going on? I've been kidnapped! I am somewhere in Mexico with a gun to my head. Ah! 
What a fucking crybaby. Harold, I'm just gonna spit this out. El jefe. We sold a little product to the cartels, but when we cut them off, they got a little angry. <laughs> what the motherfucker? I know a guy. I'll track down dictators if I can find a guy in middle management. What do they want? They want five million. What? Pesos? Dollars! What is that? It's an injectable microchip. Okay. I need to keep tracking. I don't like needles. Give me <laughs> you can't scare me with tales of the big bad cartels. I don't know how things work. Not in Mexico. You really believe in God? Of course I believe in God. What kind of person does not believe in God? I guess I kind of do, but not. <laughs> Things are going to start to get better for you. Trust me, I have good instincts. Let's go. Looks funny. <laughs> All right, so my take on this freaking movie. Maybe. All right. A pharmaceutical company has a weed pill formula that needs to be hand-delivered to a Mexican laboratory in Mexico. And so they send down on, on his luck. God damn it. I, they send down. When I wrote this, I fucking was, I had trouble like reading it in my mind. And, I, and so they send down on his luck Harold. I should have put that in, in quotations. That's what I should have done. So they send down on his luck Harold to get it done. See, Harold's a little on edge and needs to loosen up, but there's just one problem. Harold's bosses kept him from... Fucking damn it. Her- <laughs> You're the one that fucking wrote Dude, this. up here in my head, I already fucking... It, it, it's like the... It, I, all I do is hear people uh, pressing stop. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just like... It's like, I don't know. There's something lost. Focus on the task at hand. Fuck used, man. All right. Harold's bosses kept him from. Harold's bosses kept him, <laughs> kept from him. That's her little bit on bad relations with the local drug cartel, and now he's been kidnapped for a five million dollar ransom by them as a retribution. Luckily, Harold's bosses know a guy, a guy who can free Harold from that mean old Mexican cartel. Of course, the rescuer has some problems of his own with generating a clean and quiet getaway. My prediction is stupid characters and stupid decisions in one big old stupid movie. However, this is one of those times that stupid is a very welcome thing. My only problem is that I always thought that gringo was exclusively applied to white guys. I know I was wrong on that meaning, but I swear that this is the first film where the gringo was other than just that. Regardless of blissful ignorance, I know that gringo will not be a piece of caca. It's got Charlotte Copley in it. That's it. Should have put because it's got Charlotte Copley in it. Charlize Theron and Joel Egerton are corporate snake oil salespeople that are pimping their new marijuana pill. The problem: the factory is in Mexico where they have screwed over the cartel, so they send their messenger boy to go and grab an initial test shipment. But things go bad when the cartel finds out about it. I got that a little backwards. Bounty hunter, a pretty girl, and a long chase sequence later, the messenger boy returns with cartel in tow to get the snake oil salespeople and restore justice to the galaxy. And so it's what. Not a piece of shit. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there you go. So we'll we'll be talking about Gringo next time on a couple of hours shows. How you feel about that? How do you think I feel about that? Why do you ask me those questions? You know what's funny is if I had control of the the stop button, 
I would have hit it before you were able to answer, or like where you it's, go. The uh, reason why you don't have control of the stop button is because you'd fuck everything up anyway. That would be hilarious if I finally fucking stopped it in the middle of your sentence. So you <laughs> see, I just gave you an opening to fucking do it to me, and you didn't do it. I'm not going to because that would be predictable. Ah, uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of. Mm-hmm. So there you go, and I've done it to you <laughs> multiple times. Take it. All right, so that's it, man. The, uh, you know what I. God damn it. You know what's funny is the whole time I'm fucking driving up here, I had it in my head I was going to read this fucking perfectly fine, and then I'm, I start reading, and it's just like... Yeah. Yeah, you didn't read it with much enthusiasm either, fuckface. You read it better than I did, but you didn't read it with any enthusiasm. At least I had some enthusiasm. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs>